Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Good to join together in worship, isn't it? Thank, thank the worship team for putting that together and uh, leading us in that. Good to raise our voices to the Lord. I'd like to ask you if you... <clears throat> If that reminds you of anything when you were growing up. <clears throat> Ever had anybody say that to you? You know, it could have come from a parent or a big sister or a teacher at school. <clears throat> I was going to say it could have come from even a football coach, but football coaches usually don't say, must I always remind you? But this morning, in order to make this fit better and to be more of what we're going to be talking about, we're going to just kind of change that around a little bit. And it's the Apostle Peter saying, I must always remind you. And he's saying this to the Christians that he's writing to. And we said that they were the ones who were scattered throughout what is now modern-day Turkey. <clears throat> But he says this, and what is it that he could be talking about that he must always remind them? They were new Christians. Of course, everybody back then was new Christians. What do they need to be continually reminded of? Well, <clears throat> if we go back into verses 10 and 11 that we looked at last week, that tells us, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, and we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at 10 and 11 for a few minutes. In verse 10, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatever he is referring to, the stakes seem pretty high. He's telling them to really solidify and make solid and confirm their salvation in Christ. You know, your calling makes make firm your calling and your salvation. Make certain your salvation is solid and true. Then he says, and if you do these things, you will never stumble. You never fall. And that stumbling could be anything from falling down to all the way to being going into ruination in your faith. And then it says, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> if you do these things. Now, what things is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the ones that he was mentioning, like we looked at last week. <clears throat> he told them, last week we saw, he told them, you have everything you need to live a godly life. 
a life that is pleasing to God. And you know, they have become Christians in recent years, and they weren't used to the Christian lifestyle. And they were being called by God now to leave that old lifestyle and enter the new lifestyle of Christ. But how is that supposed to happen? And we're kind of going over what we did last week. Well, Peter said they could learn to live lives pleasing to God through gaining more knowledge about the true God. Growing in knowledge of who God is, what he does, what he wants. Now, some of them probably had knowledge of some of the false gods and what their names were and what they were supposed to do and how they are supposed to please them. But Peter says now they need to grow in the knowledge of the true God, the God of Israel. And the knowledge of the true God, we said last week, comes so much of it comes from the Bible, the sacred scriptures, the word of God. Also, when we commune with God in prayer, <clears throat> that brings us into fellowship with God, into communion with him. Also, when we gather with the saints and we learn of each other and we see how God is working in other people's lives. And then when we serve others, serve those in need, we get to know God better because we are showing the love of God. We are experiencing what it means to love others. And that's what God is, right? God is one who loves others. He gives himself for others. And Peter says, the more we come to know the true God, the more we partake of the divine nature, the more we're moving into God's realm of living. So then he tells us, take that faith, that faith where you turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior, you repented of your sins, you've, you've acknowledged that there's no way you can be right with God unless you accept Christ's death on the cross to pay for your sins. He says, take that faith and add to it these things, these Christian character qualities. Add to your faith that knows that Christ is the Savior, goodness, that's uh, morality, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge of God, self-control, not going off the handle, being able to control your passions, perseverance where you hang in there during tough times, godliness where you're humble and you're reverent towards God, love for one another <clears throat> where you love your fellow Christians, and then just love, self-sacrificing love, that, you know, the, the quality that God is so known for. And if we work to know God better and work to live closer to him, learning to please him, we're doing all of that with our faith, and then we fill up our faith with all these character qualities, and he says, in increasing measure. Then he says, that will keep us from becoming ineffective and unproductive in our Christian lives. Keep us from becoming useless in the faith. Keep us from crashing in the faith where we have to be rescued. So all of that is what Peter means by confirming your calling and election. 
Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Make every effort to make your faith a living faith, a real faith. Living to please God and not ourselves. However, that could seem like you're just kind of like giving up anything that you'd like to do. That's what it seems like to people, of course, that aren't Christians. If I live to please God, what about myself? But you know, if we live to please God, we will be very fulfilled. And we will have true inner joy and peace. And we will find a security in God's love where people can't ring us around and make us do what they want because we'll have our security in Christ. And at the same time, we'll be storing up treasures in heaven where we're going to live forever. And all of that leads to receiving a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, just to kind of review this for a second, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. So make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Make every effort to confirm your salvation in, in Christ. And then he says, make every effort to add to your Christian faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, and so on. So we strengthen our faith. We fill it up. And then he says, that will keep us from becoming ineffective and unproductive in our Christian walk. I mean, who who wants to matter for nothing? We want to be Christians and we want to be... Christians that mean something to God, mean something, you know, on the earth and to other people, keeps us from falling into ruination and will allow us to receive a rich welcome into Christ's eternal kingdom. So therefore, make every effort to confirm your calling. And here's another thing. Don't allow anyone to think that you don't care about your faith. Let's all, let's let everyone know our love for Christ. Don't allow anyone to to go by and and get to know you and think, oh, I didn't know that was a Christian. So now, in light of all we just said, Peter says, in verse 12, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Peter is saying, I plan 
to always remind you of these things to confirm your calling. Make your faith in Christ solid and beyond any doubt. Now, does that mean we never make any mistakes? <clears throat> if we are truly living our faith, does that mean we never make a mistake? Well, not hardly, because we're in a process. We come to Christ, we learn a whole new truth, we enter into a whole new world, and we're growing. If we keep confirming our faith, we're growing step by step. And there are so many things that we learn. And even after we've known Christ for a long time, we still are learning things. And sometimes we didn't know something that somebody tells us that we should know, that we should change. And then we got more to learn and more to grow. And we're being transformed more and more into the image of Christ because we're on a journey. So now, <clears throat> Peter is saying... As we saw, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. He says, I will never quit telling you these things. Even though you are established in the truth and you know them, I'm never going to quit telling you these things. And I'm thinking, he's pretty serious about this, isn't he? He says, even though he knows they are firmly solid in the truth, they know that Jesus Christ is their Savior, the Savior of all mankind. They know that salvation in Christ is through forgiveness and not through works of righteousness that we will do. Yet, he says he needs to keep reminding them to confirm their calling and election in their lives, in their actions. Keep living into this Christian faith. Keep increasing in the knowledge of God. Keep working on those Christian character qualities. Keep practicing that goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. Peter's goal is to make certain that these well-established Christian converts always remember these truths that he's telling them. The truths that he has taught them of the Christian life. He wants to make sure that they never uh, forget about these truths or start waning in these truths to keep confirming their calling and election. Now, <clears throat> that brings something to my mind when I read that, maybe yours too. If Peter is determined to continually remind these converts to make every effort to confirm their election and calling, their salvation, to <clears throat> to confirm that they are Christians, and he wants to make certain that they never forget to stay with this life pattern of continually confirming their faith, strengthening their faith. That tells me that becoming lax in our faith, becoming to where we're not really intent on helping ourselves grow, ho-hum in our faith, perhaps lazy, or maybe even becoming sidetracked in our walk with Christ, that tells me that that is a very serious and real concern. Maybe something if when we come to Christ we think it'll never happen. 
but we see it happen all the time. And it's something that we really have to guard against. And that's why Peter keeps saying, I must always tell you. And I have to keep telling you. And I'm going to tell you so that you always remember. And then even when I'm dead, you're going to remember it. So that means we, we have to be careful and guard against allowing ourselves to be led off into sin. To just slowly wander off into less of a, a seriousness about Christ and our faith. I was reading of a famous Super Bowl quarterback who a few years back had gotten into some very, very serious trouble. And he was pretty haughty about his great success. He'd grown pretty haughty. He didn't start out there. And then it turned out he was accused of sexual assault, accused of rape. he was building a reputation where people were calling him a monster. He received a suspension from the NFL, even though he was a Super Bowl quarterback, a great athlete. They canned him for a while because he was getting into so much trouble. When they'd go to hotels, people would, you know, people that worked with him, uh, that were trying to, you know, please him, they'd bring women up to his hotel room. And then he just spiraled out of control. And he finally decided he needed to take some serious steps to reclaim his out-of-control life. And he, he, you know, faced himself and his problem. He listened to wise counsel. He sought help. He even went public with his confessions. He turned to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and help. But... He also said he had become a Christian when he was younger and that he had slowly drifted away from his faith and he'd become very wealthy and very popular and and very well-loved. So he was actually returning to his faith in Christ. And you talk about stumbling into destruction. So the Apostle Peter tells these young believers that he must always remind them they have to keep moving forward. They can't just stop where they are because if you stop where you are, you're going to start drifting back, right? Never quit confirming their calling and election. Never quit moving forward in the faith. Never forget that we first and foremost belong to God. And he wants to remind them so thoroughly that even after he dies, they will always remember. And then Peter gives this fantastic reason why continually strengthening their faith will be so worth it to them and why continually moving forward in the faith will be so much more rewarding than allowing ourselves to be enticed by the, the pleasures of the world that would take us away from our faith. You know, even as we go on, some things look very enticing to us. But we have to guard against that. And I want you to listen to the reason why Peter says we don't want to slack off in our faith in Christ, our walk with Christ. Verses 16 through 18. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, 
but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's, you know, there were uh, false teachers that would travel around and even come into the churches and they would, they would do makeup stories. And even outside of the church, you know, people told clever stories to try to get followings. And he's saying, that's not what we did. When we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory. He's telling them about an experience they had. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory from God, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. And I'll show you the incident. It's in Matthew chapter 17. It says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. He's taking them away from the other apostles and and the crowds. There he was transfigured before them. His whole body just changed into a different whatever. (laughs) His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. In another passage it says, like lightning. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses was from the old covenant. He was the lawman, the one who brought the law to the Israelites. And Elijah was the one who's supposed to come and restore all things. And then Jesus comes. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, Peter's thinking, we've got to get something where you could, someplace where you can stay. But while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. So I think that was the end of Peter's uh, suggestions. Now, what in the world is Peter talking about? when he says, we didn't tell you fanciful stories. We told you of something that really happened when we heard, we saw Christ glorified and heard the voice of God. He's basically saying, if you had seen what we saw, and if you had heard what we heard that day on that mountain, you would never take any chances of wandering away from your faith of missing out on what God has for us, all who believe in him. You would never want to stray from God for even a little bit. You would want to always confirm your election and calling. And he's talking about the time, you know, when Jesus took them to the mountain. Now, what these three disciples saw on that mountain was a preview of Christ coming back to defeat his enemies, to conquer the armies of the world that are gathered there to defeat him and set up his eternal kingdom. That's that's what they saw. They saw Christ transformed, transfigured into that powerful, you know, man of God 
power of God coming to defeat earthly enemies. And they watched it with their eyes. And then they also heard the voice of the father expressing his love and approval of his son. And that changed their lives forever. And Peter is saying to his converts, we're not telling you fanciful stories. We saw the glory of Christ. We heard the voice of the Father that knocked us to the ground. And you don't want to mess with anything else in this world, no matter how much joy or pleasure or, you know, press you get from it. Therefore, confirm your calling and election. Make your faith solid in Christ. Nothing else will match to it. Nothing else will, will lift you up like that. And then Peter says, not only did we see that amazing transformation of Jesus Christ, but we also have the scriptures to take us to the same place. We also have the prophetic message of something completely reliable. The scriptures are completely reliable, Peter says. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. That's what the scriptures are for us. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. It doesn't start with human thinking and human, you know, making things up. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter is saying, our hope in Christ's coming kingdom is completely and fully backed up by the mountain experience and by the trusted scriptures that we've had for centuries. Now, you know, when we read through the scriptures, we see Jesus in the Gospels time and time again affirming the scriptures. He uses them to prove who he is. He uses them to tell of the future. He uses them to tell what it's like to serve God and what the kingdom of heaven is like. He uses them to describe the Father. And many times he speaks of how the scriptures must be fulfilled. In different parts of his life, the hardest parts of his life, he says, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And Peter says here that the prophets didn't just write down their best thoughts on how they thought things would turn out, like Everybody else does, you know, outside of the faith. <clears throat> it's amazing to hear what other people think, you know, how things came to be and where they're going and what are the best ways to live that way. It's just like, it's just man's thoughts. And they've never worked before and they'll never work now. He says that the prophets wrote down and spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit they were being carried along by the Spirit of God to write the words of God. It's all completely true, and it's all completely trustworthy. So Peter is telling people, his people, to make every effort to confirm their calling and election. We don't want to mess, we don't want to pass up to miss what God has in store for those who love him. He said, Peter said, we saw the glory of Christ on that mountain. 
We saw what it's going to be like. The power, the majesty, the glory, the strength. What it's going to be like when Christ comes back to set all things right. To put down all evil and to lift up those who are suffering for him. And those who are waiting for him. And they heard the powerful voice of God himself that knocked them face down to the ground. And he says the scriptures are God's trusted message to us of what lies ahead for the faithful. So we want to set our sights on the future eternal kingdom of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. That is supposed to be our incentive. We are supposed to be looking forward to that future kingdom that will last forever and ever and ever. And that will be dependent upon our decisions here and now. That will be a kingdom of righteousness and true joy and true fulfillment and everlasting peace. A life where everything means everything. And the things that we do, there's no emptiness. And we won't have to face corruption, evil, deception. Everyone will be trustworthy. And to get there, we must continue to confirm our calling and our election. We must keep moving forward in our faith, increasing our knowledge of God and his ways, enriching our faith with those Christian character qualities, not becoming lax or lazy in our Christian walk, because we're moving toward eternal reward and fulfillment. So let us make every effort to solidify our faith. Make every effort to fulfill our calling and election. In all that we do, in all who we are, and we will receive that rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just your word and how much it tells us in so many different ways from different authors and different letters and different styles, but it's the same message. We thank you for the apostles who gave their lives and then wrote down so that we would have the faith in writing. And Father, we pray that we could be faithful like them and we could increase our knowledge of you and, and build fill up our faith with all these good characters and continue just moving forward. And so, and so Lord, keep us from ever, never, keep us, help us never ever to move backwards, to just stand in one place, but to move forward. And then, Lord, we look forward to the day when you will set up your kingdom and we can be part of that blessed time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.